The invention place and time of paper is still unknown. But the oldest piece of paper was found in China and dates back to 179 to 141 BC. Welcome to Sipping Socrates, where we have a warm Socratic discussion over a cup of coffee. We are Manan and Parv, and today is March 27th. We will be talking about paper. Um, so have you ever had like a friend call you and give you like a really important piece of information and you just have nowhere to like note it down? That has happened so many times over the phone, talking to someone. I just constantly I'm looking for a piece of paper or a notepad to write something down. Generally a phone number, but can never find it. And so the inspiration behind this topic, Parv, was was behind the bare usefulness of things that we often just take for granted, right? And it's like, without a piece of paper, there will be so many processes that just wouldn't work the same way. That is true. The discovery of paper has led to such advancements in different fields and different fields that are very fundamental to the modern culture and industrialization. Basically, our need to develop paper literally came from our need to do math and accounting and science. And because we developed paper is why we could advance in these areas, which further developed these subjects. Yeah, absolutely. And even when I think about it now, everything right from... I don't know, using the toilet where you use toilet paper to like big business deals and like just bills, even like bare money comes from um, our our expansion of using paper and our discovery or, or rather I would say our invention or application of using paper in, in different uh, fields. And so... It's so important to ask, why do you think we need paper? Like, okay, we know that it, ex- it exists. We know that it's widely used. But what do you think would have been the, let's say, uh, a 10-minute startup pitch for the first person who even thought about using or applying paper? I would say a pitch that the person found paper would 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 necessarily go and and say that here is something you can write things on and it will stay there forever until you raise it. It is one place where you can document something and forget about it for the rest of your life and then see it 20 years later and then it would still be the exactly same. Yeah, and that is so interesting to me because I love how you mentioned documentation because... There have been so many instances in the past and ideally I would say paper has been an instrument, a vessel through which historians and just like anyone uh, was able to sort of connect different time periods together. For example, now that we are in the 21st century, uh, the only sort of written or recorded evidence that we have of anything that has happened in the past is mostly on paper sure we have like walls and like different modes of art that tell us what happened in you know in the past but primarily most of the things that we know about the past will be 
on some kind of paper documented on some side. so this idea of documentation is so vital because without documenting something you can't really prove whether it has ever existed i also want to mention that you said that this walls and this art pieces and this buildings and this various different art forms um that are inherent in a lot of cultures that tell us about the past but our interpretation of those walls sculptures monuments are still on paper the interpretation that comes with those art forms that the artist wanted people to know about were still written on a paper or uh, or carved into a stone were still written somewhere for people to understand yeah so like like i said it's a vessel that transports us perhaps into the past when we wanted to uh it's a vessel that documents it's a vessel that proves evidence that something has existed or not and so one thing that i again bringing this back to psychology parv i've 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 heard and like you know listened and just read about so many instances where our mind is so easily carvable and molded and that's why if you've heard eyewitness testimony is such a is such a a uh, such a problem because even though you think you have seen something remembering it back and recalling that event from i don't know even like 10 minutes ago is not really accurate is what we found and in those instances we rely on paper evidence we rely on picture evidence we rely on concrete things that have been accounted for uh so it's even from a like a crime perspective even when it comes to just knowing that something has happened for sure or not is documented on paper and might i add a little bit of history to this there have been several events in the past where entire rulers entire dynasties entire leaders have sort of influenced what has been on that paper for so long as in to rewrite or to retell some of these stories that were not very well documented which is why when in like invasions used to happen when old kings used to invade other countries they used to first and foremost if they were authoritarian and fascist uh attacked sort of attack their history attack their literature attack their art because the way we remember things if documented not so strongly um can lead to us misinterpreting what has happened in the past and i think paper has a huge role to play in that yeah speaking of the past and um, you just mentioned that things should be accounted for so going off of that word play uh, one of the major reason we developed paper as a society as humans was to develop advanced accounting methods so um this i'm quoting from a book called paper paging through history by mark kurlansky and he writes historians have multiple theories regarding the origin of writing the leading ones being that in it originated as an attempt to improve accounting in business transactions agriculture generates commerce which in turn generates numbers the spoken word is an effective means to communication but mathematics taxes the memory and requires something more the sumerians of mesopotamia the first to develop writing used it for accounting so accounting was one of the first reasons 
we started writing and started writing made this search of people yeah and again accounting comes back to the point that we need to be able to prove evidence yeah. for uh, a given transaction a given uh, event that has happened right so yeah uh, absolutely and so accounting yeah who would have thought that accounting would in any way shape or form relate to the discovery of paper and that's why i love these episodes because we go out on our own different journeys and we come back and share this information uh, yeah. over a cup of coffee so that's interesting and so even i when i was saying i people could control what other people were thinking because of the documentation process right and so joseph stalin um uh there were a couple of stories written about or uh, written about how he used to do this precisely and so what he used to do is he used to manipulate what was written in books to rewire people's thinking um for people who don't know this was joseph stalin was a uh, a ruler in soviet russia and in, in times of civil unrest um stalin used authoritarianism totalitarianism um to sort of make sure that he has an ironclad grip towards what people think towards what people feel about the nation about the way the nation's working uh and if there's anything that we know about soviet russia it's that nothing could be trusted in those times and that um there was a huge uh, sort of unrest in the sense that the they used a lot of propaganda to sort of make sure that their civilians are numbed to like the numb to society in general numb to being able to feel a certain way numb to be able to like think a certain way so imagine you you're crafting an entire society because of the way you like give books their voice right you're rewriting books you're rewriting just different aspects of media in general to change how people think and this is further reflected in fahrenheit 451 as a textbook as a as a as a fictional book where montag the um the protagonist of the book is instructed to flame down and burn books just so that the civilization could keep could not really track of what's happened in the past did not have any uh sort of intentions to find out what's happening in society but rather just stick to their own life um and i remember that his uh the pro- the protagonist montag his wife was always just on like these things that we now call airpods in the book uh and he was, she was totally blind to what's happening in society uh and so the power that you have when you sort of manipulate or destroy books as in paper is so powerful that if you don't realize that the if you don't have the power of independent thought that that can then consume you into believing something that isn't actually true i have so many thoughts on that very interesting line of thought that you just mentioned that was that was a very good monologue <laughs> in my opinion uh yeah But, I I just get carried away sometimes when I'm speaking. No, that so. was absolutely amazing. I really enjoyed that. 
let's move on let's move on to the next part of the podcast so we discussed why we need paper and uh, why did humans think about inventing a place to write their thoughts accounts maths science on but how do they really make it how is paper produced how was paper produced tell me a little bit about that manan yeah so i mean when you when you hear the word paper where it comes from uh, and this is a little bit of lexicology for you guys it's paper is derived from papyrus as i'm sure you've heard um papyrus is a type of plant slash tree uh, that obviously produces the raw materials to make paper and in general to keep it short and like my previous soliloquy that i went on <laughs> um it's in general just beating the pulp of the out of the plant raw materials that you have and rolling it into thin sheets of paper uh, making sure that you are drying uh, the fibers um that you are beating out of the plant um you know in 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 such thin in, in like a such a thin manner so as to be able to document or write something on it uh that's like the shortened version of it the lengthy version which i will present comes again from the book paper by mark kurlansky and he writes the banks of the nile river are softened by thick growths of tall papyrus trees with feathery tops tops that bow and sway in the breeze according to legend an infant who called who would be called moses was found abandoned in the patch of these reeds in about 1500 bce at the time the reeds themselves were already an important egyptian product and they would remain valuable for the next 1500 years the papyrus plant was tall with a bushy tuft of leaves and flowers on top in its most favorable growing conditions the nile delta it grew to 16 feet high with stalks as thick as 2 inches in the reeds center was a soft substance that the egyptians enjoyed eating raw or cooked light boats for navigation the shallow pools of nile were made from woven papyrus reeds cockled with resin and the plant was also used for making robes sails and baskets but the plant were most valued as a writing material the papyrus reed peels like an onion and once the green outer layer is removed there are about 20 inner layers these layers are then unrolled and laid out on a hard and smooth table and thus they created papyrus paper but then i also want to mention that what was unique about egyptian papyrus however was that it became valuable commercial product that was exported throughout the known world so humans used a lot of different plant derived products to write on um we've known about writing on leaves writing on animal skin and flesh um writing on several different plant products but papyrus was first to be commercialized the oldest papyrus scroll ever found dates between 2900 and 2775 bce yeah and i think one of the most interesting things that you pointed out that's on the periphery of the topic is how they how labor intensive the entire process was you know there's a lot of soaking going on a lot of beating going on there's a lot of um just like processing going on and this is the egyptian civilization we're talking about we're talking about like thousands of years ago 
and we still don't know how the pyramids of giza have been built right there were so so what i'm trying to say is with the advancement in well the actual paper that was invented we are seeing that there is so much additional manufacturing processes that have grown with our use of paper right right we don't only use classic paper anymore we use cardstock we use i don't know different kind of paper for like high level printing low level printing we have like things like gsms going on you know and so whether it's you know even like cardboard is a type of paper we're using uh you know different types of cups that are made when you know different types of paper so with the rise in using paper there has been a significant advancement in the engineering and processing of paper as well i argue to that i do not agree with you so generally over the course of a technology the sole word that we called scalability scalability the use of the term scalability in any and every business proposition is that as we move forward with this one product we will leverage a lot of different technology including leveraging economies of scale to decrease that per unit price when that per unit price and cost decreases as you just mentioned papyrus is very labor intensive but as we came up with more automated ways more modern ways machineries to make these sheets of paper the cost of producing paper went down mm-hmm. so now since the cost is down since more people can afford it more people can think about applying it to different places so applications increase because the cost is low before then people couldn't apply it elsewhere for say toilet paper they couldn't wipe their butts with it because it was just too valuable you would never wipe gold use gold to wipe your butts right yeah but as technology makes the per unit cost cheaper people find out more applications but you're absolutely correct in the fact that we apply paper in so many different forms in our lifestyle yeah i'm just enthralled with the technology with the rise in technology that has made it so like you said easy for us to afford paper like imagine something that used to have like three people just beating the pulp out of uh, a type of plant or a type of wood has now just been translating into translated into using printing machines and like large presses that print our newspapers every single day and even then what's really interesting to me is newspapers when's the last time you actually picked up and read one like physically the paper Honestly whenever I'm back home in India I do see newspapers and I do read the actual physical newspapers and the last time would be this winter so not too far back and that reminds me that as a child I actually went to a newspaper printing press we went on a visit from high school and I've literally seen a roll of paper bigger than this room <laughs> have you seen husks yes in a farm yeah it's as big as a husk roll maybe maybe bigger it's yeah. so big absolutely and it's so interesting like everything that we have ever come to know is you know even like this reminds me of textbooks even my mom and i used to spend so many hours one day before school started to use paper to cover a book which had paper in it <laughs> So you remember those like brown sheets of paper that you used to like tape and like make sure you're ready for school and so it was a it was a complete vibe but I mean we we've, we've already talked about how extensive the use of paper is but the point is are we tra- now transitioning to 
a paperless world and what what are your opinions on using alternative forms of paper or even like paperless uh documentation or paperless books for example how do you think we've gone from using environmental resources to produce something that is good for humanity to then exploiting it uh i think we are definitely going forward and moving into a paperless world now will the world ever become completely 100% paperless that seems highly unlikely but since people or students like ourselves have started taking notes on an ipad we don't send physical fax anymore or we we just send emails so there's a lot that can that couldn't have been done without paper but is now able by technology to be done without paper and i think i'm in 100% support of that because we when we choose not to use paper we use technology and the technology is cheaper to produce cheaper in terms of the environment that we burn for it the piece of ipad the emails they are far less uh far less demanding in resources than an actual paper and sending the paper and th- that is how we kind of become more sustainable in these apps yeah and so the reason i brought this up was i was doing a bit of reading and um like you said we we obviously have come a long way in how we process and make paper so something that i read was that paper has undergone many changes and improvements in how it was made so like i said like we mentioned it was labor intensive first uh, where plant fibers would like dissolved in water and then we were beating them into pulp and pulp and like then using the pulp to like break them into like or like roll them into sheets the modern era of paper making has actually been more efficient and environmental friendly um and the way i the, the reason i say it is because we mentioned papyrus but now there are so many more ways to source paper uh, you can make um paper even out of hemp by the way um which is absolutely fascinating to me i i visited a paper exhibit in uh, louvre abu dhabi uh, and they were like it was a huge exhibit they actually showed me some of the things that were used in like medieval centuries to uh, process paper there were like huge barrels and huge uh, equipment like rollers even and um just a lot of like bulky equipment but now we've moved to uh using sort of even like cotton plants for example as alternatives to using just the papyrus or just a specific type of um plant or tree we're using uh virgin wood pulp uh and so advances in technology have also allowed for more precise control over the paper making process where each process whether it's beating it into a pulp or dis- like using dyes or you know um making a solution out of the pulp and so then you could dry it all of it is now controlled with what is the optimal energy that this process takes and how can we make sure that this leads to a product whose life cycle does not really uh 
bear a lot of carbon footprint um regardless of how tr- like transformative our machines and equipment are uh so it's 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 kind of interesting what do you think about electronically for example let's say i was to um get a receipt for a transaction instead of a physical bill don't you think that's more secure as like a way of recording something and so we go back to is paper the best way to do things paper is in today's world not the best way to do anything because most of today's world runs on computers our documentation are not manually hardwired but imported through queries in sql we we don't look through receipts find them and place them in order in a cupboard we just put them on a google drive organize them with um by letters sort them out and filter them out as we need and pick them up that's the more efficient way to do it so in the modern world things are just far more efficient as an e-text than a actual physical text uh yeah i i definitely agree but that is also because we're seeing a huge rise in just like problems in general we're seeing deforestation for example we're seeing destroying of natural habitats uh which are affecting you know ecosystems uh, biomes that we can see throughout the world we're seeing um usage of energy that is not clean and not renewable uh and so it'll it'll be a long while before we're seeing water pollution as well so it'll, point is it'll be a long time before we can put a constraint on to using these practices because like you said usage of paper has been so industrialized now that we are taking for granted that the impact it has on the environment and so uh people are starting to recycle paper now people are starting to uh use well to some extent use sustainable forestry practices and reduce energy energy usage um use alternative fibers as well um but the point is is like what what are the costs that come with for example using these things uh, like maintaining these practices do you think we'll ever have will ever have like an undersupply of paper or to put it broadly do you think like non paper methods would be in the long run way less sustainable because i mean electricity also costs money um so just in the environmental basis of things what do you think part of in the long run will paper be undersupplied no because in today's world the amount of trash we have the amount of trash we have which is paper is quite a bit so we're literally translating paper into trash therefore it does not hold a lot of value and if it did end up being undersupplied then we would say in an, in that economy paper would suddenly become valuable because people would be willing to pay more for it and then people would just buy trash <laughs> that's so funny to think about so that will never come and as we move on electricity is getting so much cheaper we're finding so many new renewable sources the amount of investments that countries and organizations are doing in in renewable energy sources made be nuclear 
मेड बी सोलर मेड बी जियो थर्मल इज ग्रोइंग एट अट अज we're finding new spots to implement these around the world so electricity is getting cheaper and cheaper and hopefully we'll get cheaper in the future and i know we mentioned propaganda early on in the podcast but did you know that during world war 2 the united states government launched a propaganda campaign that encouraged people to recycle paper uh, to help with war effort so americans at that point were so sensationalized to uh you know patriotism and like winning the world war that um they they launched a campaign to like sort of capitalize on that and recycle paper and this led to a significant increase in paper recycling and helped to establish paper as a sustainable and renewable resource that we are now coming to know that is only renewable because we are finding alternatives to um this paper in general I actually have a new that I should read snows in the history class. <laughs> so never have an idea about what's going in World War 1 or 2. <laughs> But yeah, I found it interesting. I think people in position of power definitely have the uh, authority and the opportunity to um sort of be involved in campaigns that can further help um make sure that pro- processes are sustainable and efficient going forward. now manan since we've we've talked about how and why humanity needed paper then we've talked about papyrus and modern ways of making paper i want to talk about one of a question that we dwell for hours about the question is why do humans think that working 10 hours a day for a certain amount of a certain piece of paper aka money is worth it why are we willing to die kill do the worst things morally for a piece of paper uh i think we already sort of somewhat established that all paper has some value in it and uh, what better way to sort of lead on to that uh, than you know just talking about money Um fun fact actually I I did a bit of digging and I found that the first time money was actually used as paper um was because of the fact that um coins ended up becoming too heavy for certain merchants who used to travel for a long time. Um yeah uh, during the Tang dynasty in China which is 618 to 907 AD paper money was first introduced and so it was introduced to reduce the weight of coins that merchant had to carry around now wait for the uh, beat drop over here isn't it so ironic that we used money to reduce our burdens and money becomes one of the biggest burdens that a lot of people carry somebody quote that right now <laughs> somebody quote that month 2023 what a line bro beautiful but i i knew about that actually and the reason i knew about that is i did a little bit of digging on that too being the business major that i am i'm always in, interested in um in money and how it came into being and how we know money we know today yeah so let me give you and our listeners a little bit of background on how paper was featured as money for the first time so we've all heard of barter system right barter system the biggest flawback uh, drawback and flaw of the water system was the coincidence of wants 
if I have wheat and you have clothes, I want clothes, but you don't want wheat, then I'm done for. I can't do anything. But if both of us find that third object that us as society all inherently need and all value, then we can transact through this third commodity. And that third commodity was introduced as money. Money through society has had various forms. And then originally it had forms of silver, diamond, bronze, copper, all these precious metals. All these precious metals hold held value and these were commodity in themselves. So this type of money is called quote commodity money. So people traded commodity money and as you mentioned this commodity money got heavier and heavier and heavier for people to travel with. Not to mention a lot of times when there was unrest in certain areas because um, the laws weren't as clear, there was not a lot of enforcements. Then traveling through this huge sum of money through places that weren't very safe became a headache because pirates and um, and just thugs existed at, and were at large at the time. So then in China, as you just mentioned, the government um, made these smaller coins and the coins had a little hole in them. So if we have ever seen a nickel in those Japanese cartoons or those Chinese cartoons that have a hole in them, they have a hole through them because they measured it through ropes. They would pass a rose, rope through coins of co- and coins and coins and they would have a certain length of rope and the moment the coins covered the entire rope, they would count as a thousand coins or a hundred coins or something like that. So then Chinese government that introduced these coins owed this to their lenders and borrowers. But now this became a struggle. So instead what the Chinese did was just wrote on a piece of paper how much they owed them and gave it to the merchant. And the merchant could later come to the government and redeem their coins. But then let's say this merchant has to pay another merchant. Then they just transacted between themselves through these notes instead of going to the government, taking the coins and giving some other person the coin. Then came the modern system of banking. That happened how this idea traveled around the world and developed a system in which there was a bank in which you could just go, show a paper or a note that was not written by the bank, but still get the money. And then that bank would send that note to the branch where the lender or the depositor who wrote the note exists. And that branch will go to that lender and depositor and take the money from them. Let's assume now this branch of bank, just as I just told, which would go for the collection of money does not exist. That the bank would just give that note and sell that note to another bank, which had a branch in that place. And that's how for the first time interbank transaction happened and the modern banking just built around these and the idea of lending more than actually having came into being for the first time and credit analysis all of that came into being so that was my little segue of business and paper for you i actually find that really interesting because whenever you you talked about that uh, I'm a huge fan of Scam 1992. I don't know if you've watched the TV show. I have. But what you were explaining there is just bank receipts mm-hmm. and the the documentation that a certain transaction has happened between a bank as proof 
to actually carry on the transaction forward. Uh, and yeah, I think it was a cool like sort of thing to mention. But yeah, that, that's actually pretty interesting because uh, without these so-called like actual confirmations of the fact that you owe that much amount of money, um, you you can't really sort of prove to your debtors or creditors that you actually owe them money or you are owed by someone else. Um, Fun fact, I just want to plug in there. In pre-paper times, people used to have color-coded sticks and they would break that stick and give it to the person that just made a payment so that for proof, they would ask the, the other person for their piece of the stick and they would try to join them together. And if it fits, then the payment and transaction has already been done. If they didn't have that piece or log of wood, then for all records, that transaction never happened. <laughs> uh, I find that, again, very funny because that's a certain type of way of documenting things without paper. And without paper, I, I wouldn't really be able to imagine life as it is or as it goes forward. Because, like I said, your most important thing is your memory. And if your memory fails, which it does a lot, you reach out to a piece of paper to actually confirm whether that event had happened or whether that memory was true. Um, which is why paper is even more so important for people with Alzheimer's or dementia. Imagine losing your entire memory and being reliant on a singular inanimate object to confirm whether things have that have happened in your you know life were actually true or not. But... Uh, I think that was a solid discussion on paper. Before we leave, Parv, I would like to ask you, what's your favorite piece of paper? There's Except a- for money, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I do like my greens. <laughs> but um, my favorite piece of paper lies in on lies on the first floor of our home in the common area. And it's a family photo that's been printed on a paper which then laminated and framed and is hanging on the wall. And I think that is my favorite piece of paper. I think that's fair. And uh, not to let recency effect uh, sort of sway my judgment, I recently got my NREMT certification or licensure. Uh, And so my favorite piece of paper right now is that document. And it's just, it's not even printed in like fancy paper or anything. It's normal paper, but the amount of emotional value it weighs on me right now is much more than what you said gold could ever be. Because it is a sort of certificate that proves to me that I am eligible to take care of other people, etc., etc. So... With that being said, we thank you for listening to our thoughts on just the most random topic that you would ever listen to, but also not so random, um, paper. I also can't believe that someone wrote a 500-page book about paper. (laughs) (laughs) Using paper. (laughs) Cheers to Mark Kurlansky about that. But thank you so much for listening. And while you listen to this podcast, I hope you thought about other objects things that you use on a daily basis but take for granted like paper and i hope you think about them and value them and cherish them more in your life thank you so much for listening 
Until next time.